1: we
2: Thanks for checking out this podcast. Remember, it's presented by Minnesota's very own Ticket King. If you're looking for tickets for an upcoming game or event at TCF Bank Stadium, Target Center, or XL Center, visit TicketKingOnline.com or the link from the 1500ESPN.com sports calendar page. Ticket King has all your tickets for Minnesota baseball, plus all the concerts, all the theaters, and at all venues. And Ticket King can take care of you for out-of-town concerts, sporting events, and more. Call 612-341-4141 or
3: visit TicketKingOnline.com. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings, we present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast.
0: Welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer. I'm joined by 1500 ESPN's Judd Zolgat of the Mackey and Judd Morning Show, and of course by ESPN.com's Ben Gessling. And if you guys don't like any kind of Mr. Man Cato talk, I have to apologize uh, probably for where this podcast is headed, even though I do want to talk about the top storylines for this Vikings team heading into the, off-se- er, the summer period and into training camp. I have a feeling my
1: co-host won't let me. It's not true. Not true at all.
2: We're prepared to conduct a professional professional and um, high level.
1: Looking. This, like, this is like
0: this is like when the dad comes home when the kids were like just like destroying yeah. the house and then all of a sudden the dad comes home and everyone's no. just sitting upright like oh no we're good we're good what because I turned the mics
1: on everyone's no, like just no, say no, no I
2: have no idea what you're talking about
1: let's just say that uh, this <clears> is a
2: <throat> high minded professional respectful discussion of the Minnesota Vikings. let's just say
1: that when training camp starts and it's going to be brief in Mankato that Mr Mankato likely will be among the candidates Cordell Patterson
0: wow and I just
2: disagree vehemently with that, that <laughs> doesn't doesn't really matter if you disagree it's going to happen.
0: He is, though, one of the storylines that we should be paying attention to heading into this summer. Gentlemen, I want to just throw it to you guys. What is the one thing you will be paying attention to once the pads pop up in training camp, p- perhaps from what you've li- uh, learned through minicamp heading into the summer.
2: Do you mean other than Cordero Patterson's coronation as Mr. Mankato? Again,
0: as I well said at the beginning of this podcast, I apologize to the
1: listeners. He's not guaranteed of winning. His what he's candidacy. Saying. Yeah, because technically, of course, if you don't know the rules of Mr. Mankato previously, you can't be a first or second round pick. I think it's or third, third. round or on. Or a fourth rounder on, or a free agent? No, a third rounder on. I just think that's... Under the radar, free agent, and now we're looking to get Cordell Patterson included in this group because he's become a non-entity. But anyway, the story I'm going to be looking for, and this is really, really simple to me, is when they start training camp in Mankato, into the preseason games, what the offense looks like. What the offense looks like, to me, is going to be crucial because... If they come back and they are trying to run the same offense that they did last season and P- and it revolves around Peterson, that's fantastic, and he's a very good running back, but he's 31. And this, is the, this, to me, is the crucial season for Teddy Bridgewater to develop as a quarterback, and that's going to have to happen. And let's not forget, for all the things the Vikings did really well last season, their biggest mistake coaching staff-wise was going into the opening game with an offensive plan that was incredibly flawed and then having to fix that plan as they went throughout the season. So Teddy Bridgewater's development – how the offense runs with an offensive line that should be improved, and most importantly, too, how do Peterson and Bridgewater coexist for the betterment of the team, not for the betterment of one player, and not for the betterment of Peterson, but for the team.
2: By the way, folks, if you had the under on – when Judd would get to his <laughs> pet talking points, the over/under, of course, was two minutes and thirty seconds. If you took the under, I didn't start
1: though. The I official time was two mention, minutes and fourteen yeah, seconds. I, no, I don't know. No, I didn't. So you win. I haven't mentioned no because I'm going to come back later and talk about the he has offensive coordinator in name as opposed to the offensive coordinator in non-title so far. Both. That, yeah, that both will be on.
2: good for the Judd Zolgad Purple Podcast pet point drinking game. Both Ben and I, too, how many
0: spoke with your Schirmer. co-offensive coordinators uh, leading up to this. What's that? And Tony Sperano and Pat Shermer. We each got to talk to one of the others. Oh, cool. Um, and so we could give you some insight, too, into what they're drawing up and how they're going to overthrow Norv, because that seems to be where you're headed Overthrow Norv. That's, yeah, that's that's your whole no, thing. No, no, no. That sounds like whole, a good hashtag. That's your whole thing. That's
1: done. Oh, it's done. It's already done. Oh, yeah. That was done. When, when Shermer when was hired as tight ends coach, that was done.
2: Much like Cordero Patterson being on the Mr. Mankato ballot is done. Ben, non-Mr. Mankato point.
1: I <laughs> <What> love <laughs> Mr. Mankato. What's your talking point, Ben? What, what is
2: what is the one thing
0: besides the offense and the <laughs> mutiny amongst the staff?
2: Can I uh, go to a different point on the offense, or do I have of to course. avoid the you offense? W- yeah, whatever h- you want. To say. It's just not about want? Mr. Mankato. Yeah. Uh, whether or not the offense is in the hands of Mr. Turner, Mr. Shermer, Mr. Sperano... Another Mr. Turner or somebody else. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is the, the story that I'm most interested to see. I want to see if he gets to a point where he can hit a deep ball accurately. Mike Zimmer talked this week about how he's seen more progress from Bridgewater in that regard. It hasn't necessarily happened in an open practice yet. In the ones we're watching. Right, yeah. right. So, I, you know, I not that I'm casting aspersions, but I would like to see it. On a consistent basis, I want to see that. I want to see him be more decisive in being able to throw the ball into traffic, especially when he gets to a point where his receivers are getting pressed and not getting off the line with clean releases. I I just want to see how he looks because I really do think that if he can take a step, this is a team that can go make some noise in the playoffs. I think they have everything else there other than knowing exactly what they have at quarterback. And I really do think a lot of this season rests on Teddy's shoulders.
0: Uh, This isn't necessarily, at least from the installations that we watched throughout OTAs and minicamp, this isn't necessarily going to be that kind of four-receiver spread wide kind of throw-it-out offense. Adrian's involved running behind Zach Zach Line. They've got Kyle Rudolph, Michael Pruitt in there on two tight end sets. They're doing a lot of the same things that they did last year, and Mm -hmm. I think the differences are going to come just in terms of the zone blocking and the different techniques they're going to implement up front Mm -hmm. and how they want to block those guys. But I have not seen, for instance, what we kind of – put the rain cloud over and like, oh, now all of a sudden they're
1: going to go to spread and Adrian's going to be useless. Well, no, it's still very much, I think, what no, they've been doing. No, in fact, what they're doing then, if if they're going more towards that, is they're skewing towards what they had to do last year, which is not Norv's offense. It's Shermer's, West Coast. They hired, when Shermer went to Cleveland, he hired Brad Childers as his offensive coordinator. Yes, and, Shermer, and Shermer called the plays. And Shermer is, in fact, that strategy makes sense because Norv had to adjust his offense to what Peterson and Bridgewater could do together. Which would skew towards a West Coast I system a little bit more. My
2: understanding to go ahead. I no, was going to say my point in a second.
0: We are still seeing the deep drops, seven-step play okay. action. We are still seeing that stuff. So I think it's just more of okay, let's throw in more stuff here and what we can work with.
2: The other factor in the offense, from what I understand, late last season, yes, it was to accommodate Teddy to some degree, and Adrian played most of his career in a West Coast offense. But but Scott Turner also was more involved in game planning in the construction of the offense and as that happened, from what I have been told, it went more in the direction of some of the things that he had done with previous stops that he'd had, you know, hmm. specifically the Carolina Panthers. So the the some of the terminology changed a little bit, some of the approach changed a little bit. So it was not one hundred percent Norv Turner's offense in the way that we know it anymore by the end of the season. That was already starting to change a little bit and it will be curious To see how all of these influences, especially once we get to watch practice every day, play out when you have all of these voices now in the
1: room. Here's a really geeky question. What um, can you tell so far what the verbiage of the offense is? Because when Norv came here, he brought in the digit system. And of course, West Coast is all that verbiage, and then and then I think you my wrote that last year they started to go back towards the West Coast verbiage. Yes, which is my really long, elongated, and more technical.
2: Yes, I and I I don't know quite if they've gone completely to that or not, but my understanding is they did mix in more of that towards the end of the season. More of the longer, more yeah. of the West Coast thing, where you're naming every route as opposed to less of the eight having five, a yeah. one through nine or zero yeah. through nine Air Coryell route tree.
0: I want to see how the depth on defense shakes out uh, in terms of, I mean, because obviously the offensive line, which you guys mentioned the quarterback, uh, that stuff is all going to be at a, at a premium and understanding because of that's the deficiency on this team and where they need to catch up and and really take them to the next level. But on defense, this is a top five scoring unit a year ago. They brought back 97% of their snaps from last year while adding Uh, And that's without a guy like Trey Waynes playing much and then while adding, obviously, uh, pieces to this group, including Emmanuel Lemoore, who was starting to siphon off some Chad Greenway snaps already in minicamp. So we're seeing that kind of already take place. Now when the pads pop on, you're actually going to see, can Michael Griffin get up there and actually take some uh, stuff, uh, snaps from Anderson Deho. Um What's it going to look like, a weak, weak side linebacker? What's the defensive end rotation going to look like? Is Daniel Hunter going to be a guy that that jumps up and takes some more snaps um, from Brian Robinson? And then obviously with Trey Waynes, too, and Terrence Newman. So there's a lot of battles going on on that side. Even though that looks like a set group already, uh, it could look different week one than it did last year.
2: Yeah, I mean, there are a lot of guys there. I mean, really at every level of it, and you kind of mentioned it. <clears throat> you got a 37-year-old corner. You've got a 33 year old linebacker and you've got a 33 year old defensive end that all have guys that are going to push them for playing time. And in a couple of those cases, it's draft picks. And in Emmanuel Lemoore's case, it's a guy that already knows Mike Zimmer. So you have people in those spots that could jump in. And in the case of Daniil Hunter, the way he's looked this spring and the way he looked at the end of the last season, I would be really surprised if he's not on the field at least 50% of the time, right? I mean, it's hard to not imagine him, if he's not a pure starter, at least being between getting some snaps in the base defense and then being on there in the nickel quite a bit.
0: Yeah, I, I see him too. Especially, he's been always involved in the continuing to be involved in that third down
2: rush package yeah, where yeah. Brian
0: Robinson kicks on the inside to a defensive tackle, yep. and you've got Hunter at and his. I think
2: we'll see that again.
0: And spot sounds. That's and then the part is if you were to play more, then perhaps he gets more involved for second down run defensive situations. Um, got a couple questions that we can answer as well in a mailbag. All if right. you guys are so inclined. Oh yeah, love the mailbag. I know you guys do. None of them are about Mr. Mankato, though. I'd love
1: to help out answering questions. None of them are the, about Mr. There, Mankato. I did
2: see one on Twitter that was asked by a Mr. Jay Zolgad um, about Mr. Mankato. And I think, should we start off with that one? We don't take questions from our... We don't ask ourselves The
0: questions. panelists aren't
1: allowed to ask questions uh, I mean, panelists.
2: No,
0: especially Dad, did you want to rephrase that question for our listening audience? Oh, like I was that. just
1: curious about why... Kramer's being a killjoy, but that's fine. What was the What's the first that's question we is. got? I mean, why in this why case Why are you killjoy? Why do you Why are you killing Christmas for me? <laughs> he is
2: wearing a very frat-like I'm shirt today. I, I thought I was sports the Sports I thought
1: I was the Sports Grinch. I'm killing you're Christmas. You're trying to usurp me as the Sports Grinch. What? I'm trying. I'm trying to give a man an opportunity to win. No, an no, no, no! You're trying to steal <laughs> the gift to all the
0: actual under the radar players for going, this, this going, award, including Mister Wide Receiver
1: that can't catch out. I don't give a lick about
0: Moritz Boringer. I'm talking about. Can we just the cut him now? Guys.
1: Honest to God, every time I read about him, he's dropped a pass.
0: Actually, half of our mailbag is about Moritz Boringer.
1: Can we please just put this to rest? He has no chance to make it for
2: So, with that, Judd, I wanted to ask you. Yeah. You got Kramer going. I'm satisfied. With My goal that, for this podcast has been accomplished. Who
0: has a better odds of making the team at wide receiver? Charles Johnson, Cordero Patterson, or Moritz Boringer? Uh, in order, uh,
1: Johnson number one. I think, although this is tough. First of all, Patterson, kind of with the
2: grammar on that, better refers to well, I've got a, one of two options you I've need got best a
1: th- when you're talking about three. I've got a theory. Uh,
2: Go tell the
0: AP random style user I've got like a theory that, yeah.
1: here, boys. Johnson one, Patterson two, Boringer three, and here's why. Uh, I think they might be trying to get a draft pick for Cordero. I think they're not trying to cut Ooh. him. Zimmer... They keep saying too many kind things about a guy, and especially when a guy like Mike Zimmer is the yeah. one Very who doesn't blow. But I mean, his quote that he gave you guys uh, in, in the past couple of days about how he, how Cordell's not making mental errors and he's doing this and doing that. I'm thinking to myself, all right, you don't want to cut him. You don't. He's a first round pick. He might have. But if you build him up and convince somebody else, hey, this guy's given a lot. And I'm not talking a first round pick. I'm talking to trying to get like a fourth, fifth round pick back. I've come up with a theory that they're going to try and actually trade him, and so I give Charles Johnson the best chance.
0: What if That's it's more interesting? What if it's more of a strategy? That remember last year when they were going through this with Cordero, Mike Zimmer wasn't saying the kind things that he's saying now. He was instead saying, "Look, he's got to prove it. You know, does he want to be the superstar? Or does he or the flashy guy, or does he want to work? All those kinds of things." Now you see Mike Zimmer change tone, and you're completely right in the sense of speculating: could that be what they're doing? What if they're just saying, look, maybe this is the way we have to reach him? Maybe this is the way that we finally have to. Because, again, Rick Spielman gave up the farm to move back into the first round for him. Do you really think a fourth round pick, third round pick is going to do it?
1: I think that to me, this this there's a couple things Zimmer does that reek of. I've talked to Rick and Rick wants me to be a puppet, so I'll do it. One is. Injuries. I think Mike Zimmer would tell – it's not like he would tell you guys a ton, but clearly Rick has gone to him more than once and said just don't say oh, yeah, a thing. Oh, yeah,
2: no doubt. So so, no doubt.
1: these quotes from Zimmer, I don't think Zimmer's the type of guy who's going to try and build a guy like Patterson up. I think if he was young, he might. But his tough love thing, he does that way more with players than this. I, just, I think there's something else at work here, and all of a sudden this – Zimmer morphing into Patterson's working really hard. There's there's an end game to it. You might be right, Kramer. I'm not sure, but my theory is just that they would like to deal him in that, and that Mike Zimmer would be more than happy, even if Rick didn't like it, to take let's say a fourth round or fifth round pick. Total guess.
2: That could. I mean, that's a very interesting theory. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that that much, especially considering what he still means as a kick returner. But if they start to showcase him a little bit in the preseason, and you know maybe you see some things where he shows some flashes, and somebody says, okay. We could still make this work. Maybe it, you know, just off the top of my head, a, a team like San Francisco, if Chip Kelly says, okay, this guy might be worth looking at in my offense, right. Bill Musgrave getting him back with the Raiders, right. you know, doing some of the things he did with him back then.
0: That would be interesting with Musgrave. I was gonna say
2: it would take a real hubris for a coach to be
0: like in the middle of the preseason, say a guy who's known for not being able to latch onto a playbook and the route running and fine tuning to say, oh, we'll just grab you now and throw you into the fire right away. But when that's well, Chip like, Kelly, I
2: think his. Huber's he's got plenty of Hubers,
0: and yeah, and I shouldn't question that of any NFL head coach um, having any kind of confidence in what they're doing, because obviously that is necessary. Um, somebody would like to know: <clears throat> Can Taylor Heineke beat Sean Hill for the backup quarterback spot? And
2: s- excuse me, backup quarterback for Teddy and save us a roster spot. Well, first of all. I had a nickel every time I've heard that question this offseason. I get that in my mailbag every week. (laughs) There's a lot of intrigue about Taylor Heineke. Yeah, first of all, they're not just
0: carrying three quarterbacks because of Sean Hill. They're carrying three because you want three. They want three. They seem to want three. Yeah, it's not this thing where, well, we got to have Sean, so we might as well keep Taylor because one can throw and one, you know, needs the oil can, as as they say. (laughs) Um I like Mike Zimmer quotes. Like I've said before, I thought they were going to move on from Sean Hill and his three and a half million dollars, but they do value his mentorship with Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, Sure. There's a chance that Taylor Heineken can do it, but Taylor's also a guy who hadn't taken a snap under center in five years before last year.
2: The thing that I will be interested to see with Taylor Heineken is do you get to, I, and I, I agree. I think Sean Hill's on the roster. If, for no other reason than the fact that they still do value him as a mentor and a guy that can sort of help Teddy see some things that he hasn't been exposed to yet. That doesn't necessarily mean that Sean Hill has to be active on game days for that to happen. But even if we get to a point where Sean Hill is the backup quarterback, I will be very interested to see, towards the end of the season, do they put Taylor Heineke on the active roster in hopes that say it's a game they're going to blow somebody out, you get some mop-up duty, you are going to have to know by the end of this season probably what this kid can do. Can he be your long-term backup? Because Sean Hill is going to be a free agent, and you're going to want to know, do we need to go get another veteran? Do we need to look at another option? Or can Taylor Heineke become the number two guy? I mean, Maybe you can answer that in the preseason, but I do wonder if they will try to get a few opportunities in fairly low-leverage situations to take a look at him this year. I would have to think, too, that the with— hottest take I've ever given on a third-string quarterback.
0: I would have to think, too, with Taylor Heineke, that it, the question marks we brought up with a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, as a franchise, you just want to keep your options open to that position, period. Yeah. And that means having developmental guys, no matter what draft pick they are, undrafted, like Heineke's case. Um, Joel Stave.
2: Kyle, out.
0: Kyle would like to know if you were going to fill Ben— <laughs> This is a random guy jumping in on the Ben bashing. If you were going to fill Ben's car with a snack food, what would it be, Judd? Do I get a
2: vote on
1: this?
0: Mm. Well, sure. I like snack foods. Yeah, if you're going to fill my car with snack foods. No, I want to fill my own car.
1: Is this a hot summer's day or is (laughs) this a cool day? 100
0: degree day in Mankato. Probably Kit Kat. Kit Kats. I was thinking Hostess cupcakes cuz you just smash
1: them all. Yeah, they'd melt. i to say you should go with like uh if
2: you're going, if you're going for like the prank value you go with like hey. those Werther's candies, they get all sticky. Oh, it's yeah, that's a good one. By that's the
1: way, can we all agree that that this prank on Treadwell was nothing more than a cute off-season photo op? It was sponsored. And that, but he's going but my point is this. He's going to get hazed. They're going to do something to him. I'm not saying it'll be terrible, but they'll freeze his jeans in the middle of winter, or they'll do something to him. This this was not hazing. This was, and I, I didn't realize it was sponsored. But this was nothing more than a photo op. This was not yeah. hazing.
0: I was going to wait for the Grinch to drop the sponsor thing, not Ben. But you're absolutely right, both of you. And this isn't the hazing that who went through it? Was it Jared Allen or Jared Allen put somebody through where well, they,
1: they taped him, him to? The, the, yep. uh,
2: it was. Uh, who was the offensive lineman? Jared yeah.
1: Allen t- did it, and, and Les Frazier was ticked he who was, was really, it though that they take to offensive the goal lineman. Too. it was a lineman and frazier had told those guys no hazing and frazier was in jared's face after that but i remember seeing the one in um in 2005 erasmus james in the middle of winter the offensive line took his jeans which were designer jeans took him out during practice put him in a snowbank on a cold day wet and froze them solid <laughs> and i'm not kidding you guys that's a good prank i knew erasmus james didn't like rubber. football when he when they went and got he went and got his jeans or they told him and he was almost in tears he was so mad that's when you know a guy doesn't like football because if you don't like or can't handle yeah but, kind but that's of, exactly or but, hasn't been around the culture exactly yeah. but that's what i was gonna say that that's funny hazing i'm sorry but if you're a rookie you're getting paid a first round pick getting paid how much just go buy a, a new pair of jeans And Erasmus was almost crying. And I said right then, that guy has no chance to succeed at this game.
0: I wonder what he would have done with 60,000 fruit snacks he was crying over a pair of jeans. Well, no,
1: but, you know, I'm sure Treadwell was told, oh, we're going to do this, and it'll be fun, because it's a photo op. I just don't want people to think that this is, listen, I know guys are wusses now, but nobody's that big a wuss where a fruit snack gag is going to be that funny. Well,
2: and it was interesting. I I think somebody had said,
1: and that's a hot take,
2: by the way. Rob Domofsky actually got this email yesterday, but we got he got a and he forwarded it to me i think they probably were meaning it to go to me but there was like a pr pitch that came yesterday basically saying that you didn't get this at all no i didn't okay so there was a pr pitch that came in and said hey check out this funny prank that kyle rudolph just played you know check out you can use kyle's snapchat was it from welch like the company was from some pr firm probably representing welches but oh my goodness they said in there like if if you can just if you can mention welches in there that'd be great like (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and on, on Twitter, they certainly did that. I mean, they, I think, I feel like I saw somewhere that Welch oh, no. is doing
0: Rudolph, sponsorship for Rudolph's The camp. players at least did. They've all, like, tagged the yeah. company. Are you kidding me? So no. This oh, no, it's a sponsored prank. Oh, my gosh. Like, what's happened to our country? 2016. What's oh, happened to our country? No, I, I don't want to talk about it now. Eric would like to know, that's, what oh. will Michael Pruitt's role be with Ellison potentially hobbled and Dan Morgan, the rookie, in the mix?
2: Ben? It's interesting. I was just talking to Pat Shermer about some of these guys today. Um, Joe's favorite guy, Michael Pruitt. No, uh, Pat Shermer. Pat oh, Shurmur. yeah, yeah. yeah well, tight I, ends coach, Pat Shermer. Was it you that wanted Michael Pruitt for Mr. Mankata uh, last year? I picked him last yeah. year. Yes, I did. I, I do think we're going to see more of some of the things that they talked about last year. I mean, he he kind of alluded to that today. It seems like maybe line him up as a fullback a little bit more, do some more of the, the H-back type stuff. What Ellison does. Right. Yeah, But I think you can do more with him than that because, I mean, it, the guy was a pass catcher in college. I mean, the R- name we always heard compared to him, and it, it takes a while for him to get to this point, but the name we heard was Charles Clay. And if you can get him to the point where he's more involved as a receiver, I think he could be a nice weapon if he can carve out a little bit of a role. but. You know, he We saw him do some of the blocking stuff last year, and I think that was somewhat new for him, at least to the degree that he was doing it. But I do think that they want to diversify that a little more this year.
0: Yeah, he was a record-setting tight end. Was it Southern Illinois? Yeah. Uh, Salukis? Yep. The old Salukis. I believe he caught 200 and some passes for them, setting their program records. So Michael was a good receiver, and that's what drew their... Their gaze to him in the draft was the fact that he had that build, like you mentioned, yeah. like of a Charles Clay, that low base. Uh, he's a big kid, and the fact that he's got the hands that maybe Rhett Ellison uh, hasn't developed in the NFL. Though Rhett is again one of the most versatile guys, and will hurt if they can't have
2: yeah. him this year. And that's that's where Michael Pruitt, you're right, would maybe Morgan step up. Though, is is going to be interesting to watch. I was, you know, I was talking to Pat Shermer about this today. He said, you know, we we sort of have. Branded Morgan as a as a Red Ellison type guy that's Absolutely. a blocker. That well, the Vikings does, doesn't do doesn't do much else than that. But what Shermer said today is that Morgan was lining up as a receiver at times in college, and was I mean it's a small school, so I'm sure they had to do a lot of different things with him. But he was running receiver type routes. He said this guy can do more than just block, and you're going to see him do some things. In Mankato, possible Mr. Mankato sleeper candidate. You're trying if you're to not talk into, me into the Cordero taking, Patterson thing.
0: You're trying to talk me into taking a tight end again, aren't you?
2: Because you know I, it won't. It won't happen. I, I, <laughs> I am so in your head with Mr. Mankato. It's like, do you, do you have nightmares about this at night? Like, who's he going to come out with this week? Nah. He's got another sleeper. I know he's going to get me with one of them.
0: No, no, no. Um, I do though. I don't want the I'm Cordero. Sad, right, I don't want the Cordero Patterson. Yes, Thing to happen because it is just the easy way for you to to go. If Cordero hey, Patterson's eligible, which again is ridiculous because of his talent, I'm not first sure round I pick. Pick
1: him to be honest with you. When you, then why are you eligible. fighting this?
0: You're Wh- fighting a battle you don't even eligible. care about.
1: It's a
2: make it's, Mr. Mankato. He's great trying to again create again, opportunities. Sure. It's about job creation. Make
1: Mr. Mankato great again.
2: You guys are just scam artists. And I would also argue Con you're talking artists. about taking the quote easy way. When you're 100, percent it's all pretty easy, isn't it? When no, you get it
0: right no, no, every no. year no matter who you pick. It looks Picking pretty easy, a doesn't it? Receiver, I mean, come on. Right, it's both just years. the easy, easy Kramer, easy why route did to go. uh
1: why did the the head coach hesitate? To, uh, he eventually did it, but when you asked the question about Lamore a couple days ago, the linebacker, and I think you asked why did you move him and, and he said, "I'm not going to get into it in Cincinnati in Cincinnati why he played, why we didn't move him. What's your theory about why not want to talk. Well,
0: about I talked that. to Emmanuel about that, and they did it, at least in Emmanuel's eyes, because they had to put Vontez perfect on that side. And that's just okay. the only way Vontez was going to end up working out. And Emmanuel said, Well, obviously, it worked out for us. Vontez has been a great player, sure. but I prefer that side, the weak side. Chad, he Chad's where he side. Is now. Okay. Yes, he was playing Anthony Barr's spot in Cincinnati, okay. and he much prefers Chad's side, which is you're covered up by the three technique on the weak side. You have more room to run. You are not having a guard unblocked coming at you like Anthony Barr will. Um, and so those are the kind of differences where they feel this guy's much better at running to the ball and getting it as opposed to shedding tackles and taking on guys Um, but I think Mike just didn't want to talk about Th- what was going on in Cincinnati and start opening up that box about other coaches and why they had to move a guy somewhere gotcha. else. And because it had nothing to do with Emmanuel here. Um, but Emmanuel said that Mike Zimmer, when they, when they got him undrafted in 2012, they put him at the weak side. And eventually because of vontes, they both came in the same year. They just figured out that's the way it was going to work best. Okay. Um, so this is a spot though, where, they feel now that they got a bargain on this kid, Emmanuel, who has made 15 starts all at a side on Anthony's side where he's not going to be playing. Mm-hmm. And they feel he's hasn't shown anywhere near so his he potential. signed
1: here partially because they gave him the opportunity to play on this side where they. They figure and he figured that he can thrive. He's his way best more. fit, absolutely.
0: Okay. And and he wasn't. He was a kid that was under the radar at Kansas State, a former safety. Um, he ended up not getting invited to the combine, and he ended up posting a forty time. I think it was four six that would have been fourth or fifth best of all linebackers. So he's a fast kid for his size, six foot four. I mean, if you that's the size that Mike Zimmer likes at that position. Well,
2: the thing too is, as much as we talk about Chad Greenway and what he means to the defense from a, a leadership standpoint and a preparation standpoint. Finding a guy like that that can run and hunt. I mean, isn't that kind of what they've been missing there? I mean, it seems like, you know, I mean, not to, to spoil the, the narrative too much for Chad Greenway in his last year, and maybe he'll end up involved on a higher level in the defense than it looks like he might be now, but you do kind of wonder if Lamar is going to end up being the guy there more so than Greenway. And if Greenway gets snapped, it comes in either a sub package or somebody getting hurt. I, it, I I guess I wouldn't be terribly shocked if it played out that way.
0: I will say, too, and this is obviously just pure speculation. I, uh, I haven't talked Mike, to Mike directly about this, but when there are certain guys that you ask about and if he's got plans for guys, I mean, he'll he'll be a little more constricted in talking about them. Anthony Barr was one of those guys his rookie season where Mike wouldn't talk about him at all and the roles he envisioned right. for him and what he wanted to do with him. And, and I think that might be in, in turn of not wanting to tip his hand to anybody uh, with certain guys. I mean, Xavier Rose was one of those guys a couple years ago, too, with the shadowing stuff. He never mentions that. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the kind of roles. Uh, and you're right. He was pretty short about Emmanuel not wanting to talk about him too much. Um That'll be a guy that I'm keeping an eye on for sure. Um let's take one more mailbag question. That doesn't have to do with Moritz Boringer or Mr. Mankato because I'm sifting through so many of these. Anybody have any questions that do- oh Judd,
2: I think Judd had one earlier.
0: <laughs> what what sh- what will the Vikings' toughest non-conference or non-division game be this year?
2: Toughest non-division or non-conference? Non-division.
0: I mean, they said non-conference. I'm assuming they meant
2: non-division. Well, non-division. It's at Carolina week three, I think. Absolutely. I mean, what's the other ones even? Uh, I mean, you could say the Colts, I suppose, when they come in in December. If, if they're healthy, um, you know, the NFC East doesn't offer a whole lot of – World beaters. I mean, going to, going to FedEx Field, I suppose, in November could be difficult.
0: Yeah, they play Tennessee, Carolina, Giants, Houston. Yeah, it's Houston, pretty soft. Houston could be a tough
2: yeah, Houston could I be tough. Houston could I be. Houston could I, be Houston could I think be I actually picked them to lose that game. Philadelphia. They play the entire April NFC East. Yeah, it's not that great. NFC East, AFC South.
1: Carolina on paper right now.
0: Oh, and they play Arizona again. Yes, yeah, so Arizona comes in here. So that's, those are the two I would say, Carolina and Arizona. Um, if we're that's talking so just tough
1: to project right now, though, because yeah. things things will change. I mean, the second half of the schedule is almost impossible to predict right now because there will be two of those teams that you think will be good and aren't good and vice versa.
0: Carolina will be an interesting litmus test, though. That's week three. That's, yep. that's right, right up after front. the Packer game. That's yep. the one that
1: comes to mind right away.
0: Those two, Green Bay and Carolina, you are going to find out I think by heading into that Monday night game against the Giants in Week Four, kind of where this team's at, that's uh, a scary at one. least from last that's year. That's
1: a scary one too, because that's one where you can you expect to get off to a good start because you you think your team's good, and all of a sudden you are one and two, and you are saying, "Well, I guess we didn't. I guess they didn't start as good as we thought they would."
2: Well, and that is sort of the thing, though. That I mean, you see good teams go through this where you have to play these high profile games right away. Yep. Why? Because TV likes to have mm-hmm. the headlining matchups early. I mean, you see the the Packers do this a lot, where it's the the I think the year where they had two Thursday games to open the season because they go to Seattle, and I think they had a game against the Bears at home the next week, or you know the different things where they'll have to play the Forty ers right away because they the the networks want the the playoff rematch or whatever it happens to be. The Vikings have a tough schedule early, in part because NBC put them on Sunday night because they're opening the new stadium. I mean, that's the matchup the Vikings wanted. They wanted to do that. But it does put you in a situation where you have to get off to a good start. And and that is part of being a good team in this day and age, is that you end up on national TV. And it means that you have to be ready to go right off the bat because you are going to have some tough matchups as they try to get the season started with the high-profile TV games.
0: An interesting, uh, before we close here, one interesting point I wanted to bring up. Um, got to talk briefly with Tony Sperano after they closed minicamp on Thursday of this week. They got six weeks off before they report to training camp. Tony Sperano said one thing about Matt Khalil that I thought was pretty interesting in saying that he has figured out a little bit how to push Matt's buttons and that he's a guy where you had to – he's not necessarily like an Alex Boone where you know up front, just say what you need, what you want. Kind of found out how to push Matt's buttons, and that's a guy that he's focusing on. Obviously, entering this important fifth season for him, um, I find it interesting that the personality of a guy like Matt Khalil, who's always kind of been more of a passive, laid-back guy,
2: right? Um, Very Southern
0: California. Yeah, absolutely. And and so that you bring in then a Tony Sperano, who's essentially an extension of Mike Zimmer, uh, yeah. who's going to be in his face the entire time. That relationship will be one to watch through
2: training how camp as well. Buttons. Did he, did he say push his buttons in the sense of getting through to him, or pushes buttons in the sense of getting under his skin?
0: Uh, I think he meant getting through in terms of getting him to understand what exactly he wants from okay. him and what he expects is from him. Is that
1: yelling? Is that cajoling? Is it's that? It's not yelling. I'll is say that. Patting him on the behind and telling him that you love his pizza. It's not.
0: It's it? not yelling. Uh, the sense I got, it's more motivating through other players, through other examples. Guy like a guy like Alex Boone.
1: I was going to say. So the so it's the not guard, yelling. So it's the not guard not... turns to the tackle and says, if you screw this up, I'm going to beat you up on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, or you cannot get beat up if you make your play.
2: Alex Boone, of course, has not been practicing the last couple weeks yeah
0: alex hasn't i don't think it's beating up i think it's more so if you want to last this long in this league this is the guy you need to be looking at and it's the same way that mike zimmer had to learn with xavier rhodes sure xavier rhodes is not a guy that was responding necessarily to the up front you know like like uh, he does with his other players um and that was something where mike zimmer has said i've needed to adjust how you push his buttons Mm -hmm. and that's just a process and you've seen how how it's worked it's worked well for xavier and i think the hope is with them that it'll work with uh with Matt, because um, he's going to be very crucial.
1: Question for both you guys. Are there any injuries that from guys who missed a uh, time in this camp who people should be concerned about going into training camp? Tony Barr.
2: Why? I think. Why? Because we've seen it now two years where he has missed most of the offseason program. And last year he was fine. I mean, he came back and, and he had the broken hand, but that I don't think was at all related to what he had going on in the offseason. But he got off to a slow start in training camp because his conditioning wasn't quite where they wanted it in part because he wasn't part of the offseason program so you do wonder if he's going to come in having to play a little bit of catch up again and that's a guy that for all of the things that he can do for all of the the different looks and wrinkles and options he gives your defense that doesn't always come to fruition if he's either not on the field or not 100 percent. so that's the one to me that I really want to see him come back in and be healthy and get after it right away because we know it. We've seen it. There are different defenses when they have him in there, and people have to account for where he's going to be. And if he's not 100% healthy, you can't unlock all of the things that you want to be able to do with him.
0: I think that's Sharif Floyd, um, a guy who's in a similar boat and having missed a lot of time with injury over his short career, although Sharif is one year advanced uh, in terms of his NFL stage than Anthony in that he's got this year to prove on his fifth-year option then uh, what he's going to be worth before he enters that year. So a year from now, he will be where Harrison Smith is this year looking for a long-term contract. And has he shown then that he can play a 16-game slate, that he can be effective the way – can he be that Geno Atkins of this defense that everybody thought he could be for a comparison's sake? Um, that's going to be the guy that you look at and go, okay, now it's time to prove it this year. At least Barr's got a couple years before he's at that point. Um, they had a few guys sit out, though. Oh, they yeah, did. Alex Boone, too. Yeah, What's I mean. wrong with Boone, by the
1: way? Do we know?
2: We don't. Zimmer said today that he doesn't think any of these things are going to linger into training camp, and we'll see if they do. And but then he goes, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's just saying these things. I just things think he's not he...
1: talking because he's been told. Yeah. N- not to talk about guys who are hurt. Yeah, I know we're not going to. We're not going to And
0: certainly we have ideas. But we're not going to speculate on people's injuries. So we'll we'll see once those injury reports come out. But a guy like Alex Boone, mm-hmm. he was able to take part in the OTAs. It was, I believe, the second week of OTAs did he that take he's part been out in first, since. In the yes. first day, yeah, of, he of did the camp as well. Yes, yeah. the no, 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 not the minicamp. Okay, OTAs. So OTAs. The we thing. haven't seen him
2: since okay. OTAs. But right. yeah. but it, you, you mentioned the, the thing about Zimmer not talking about injuries. I do remember Zimmer's first year. It was, I think when Floyd got hurt in the middle of that season in 2014, he shifted from being fairly willing to tell us what was going on with injuries to I'm not going to talk about injuries. And then he said, but I will tell you that Sharif's going to practice today or something, and then Sharif didn't practice that day. But I do remember, not for the reason of that being incorrect, but just the middle of that season there was a very notable shift in the way he was talking about injuries that made you think, okay, I'm guessing somebody has told him not to, to him. do this, and that would be the only person that would really make sense that would do that, and and that he would probably listen to on that.
1: That makes perfect sense to me. And by the way, enjoy Mankato while you can, folks. You got what? Ten practices down there this year. Ten practices, two more years, and, and see you, Egan, 2018. Is that right?
2: I don't know that it'll be. Well, they the, their the contract goes three years. Egan opens in 2018, that's okay. the hope, but their contract goes through 2018, so they're probably in Mankato in 2018, and after that, it's at the discretion of the head coach, if it's still Mike Zimmer and he wants to be there, or if it's somebody else. But they are certainly set up to not be long for Mankato. You saying Mike Zimmer's on the hot seat? No, it's just three years from now, who knows? I mean, it's the NFL. It stands for not for long. As Thanks, uh, As Zimmer
0: started his... Um, press conference today saying, well, Jerry Burns just told me that, or no, was it was a Bug Grant, excuse me. Bug Grant once told me that don't win too many games too quickly. Don't set the bar too high. <laughs> yep. And they just, uh, second season. <laughs> Leslie Frazier probably could have told you that too and after and going 10
2: and six that season. T- yeah. I've seen
0: so more So that's titles. the
1: strategy, huh? Just sort of slow be slow play. No, don't no, no, don't no. The strategy su- don't suck right away. The strategy that
0: Apparently only Jeff Fisher has figured out is that if you just go eight and eight every year and give them some hope every year and never reach that hope and just be a good guy, at least to the, your players, that Jeff, you'll be good.
1: Jeff Fisher is very good at walking that line of he's not a jerk. So, people sort of like him. Yeah. Well, Mike
0: Zimmer doesn't, but yeah.
1: Yeah, well, Zimmer doesn't care. Yeah. That's what I like about the guy. I don't think Zimmer's yeah. a jerk. I just think no, he's blunt. No, 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 no.
0: I said Mike Zimmer doesn't like Jeff Fisher. That's what I oh, said. Oh. That's what I, I, I was saying. You were saying that no, he no, no, care, no, no, no. He does not I didn't care say what he, people he, I like Jeff I didn't say he was not like that. I said he doesn't like
2: Jeff Fisher. I don't Fisher. think it's that he even doesn't like Jeff Fisher. I think he was mad about what. I think he doesn't like Craig Williams, and he didn't like what Jeff Fisher's team did. But, I mean, Jeff Fisher was one of the guys he called. When they were moving into a temporary stadium to kind of pick his brand, I don't. I don't think those two guys have an issue, but I don't think there's any question he dislikes Craig Williams.
0: Oh, bleep me, bleep
2: you! That was on that NFL Network uh, feature on Zimmer today. They they had something like in the middle. They inserted that in the middle of an answer or in the middle of a question. They they cut to that clip and uh when that teddy gets knocked out yes that's one of my two favorites there was a, a big part of that feature that talked about that game that was my favorite game last year because it was just it was just old-fashioned slobber knocker football to use an old term howard deaning up there <laughs> he was just high-pitched squeal all yeah. whole time well <laughs> it was that clip and then the one that's great. where he goes raf he hit him in the bleeping knees what the bleep are we doing <laughs> Just one just stream of such F-bombs. a great clip. That whole thing is 60 like
0: sixty minutes of F
1: If you
2: love Mike Zimmer, that three-minute clip of him being mic'd up that day is a great reason yeah, why wasn't there one point where it was just beep? well that was the vikings.com yeah, one they, they five i seconds. think we counted it they had the the bleep out on for like three seconds straight which is a really long time to be bleeping things out
0: that's impressive too uh, they wouldn't just say oh we got to scrap this guy we so should like, try no, that we'll sometimes. We'll see if we can get a
2: tirade that we can have to bleep out for three seconds straight maybe
0: just any talk you have about mr mankato something
2: to shoot that. for as we go into into mankato
0: here goals
3: Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plug on Chris Howard. University of Michigan QB J.J. McCarthy makes bold predictions but doesn't fulfill them, and Ohio State kicker Noah Ruggles misses an opportunity to etch his name in Buckeye lore. Fans love their teams and the players, that is, until they don't. When it comes to finger-pointing, you'll find no greater antagonist than the fan. Why? Because it means more to them, or so they believe. As a former player, nothing angers me more than armchair charlies accusing the teams of overlooking opponents or blaming players for providing bulletin board material. But leading up to the game, the fan is the one talking the most, boasting the most. When the team is winning, it's a lot of we talk. But when the team loses, it turns into they lost. You will never know what those moments feel like because you didn't put in the work to earn those feelings from those moments. That's the great thing about being part of a team. You win as a team, you lose as a team. We cry, we console our brother. We don't point the finger. We go back to work, back to the early morning workouts, the hill sprints, back to the bloody noses and broken bones. Why? because it really means more to us. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fixed. And don't forget BetOnline for NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more